Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week. It's a Wednesday afternoon. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We, as always, are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. We are getting close to the start of the college football season. Still time for you to get a little futures action in if uh, that's what you're interested in. Get on those season win totals. Perhaps um, some national championship odds, but uh, also we get lines for games in week one, and uh, you want to make sure that you lock those in now. You can do it at the Pearl River Resort in person at the Golden Moon uh, Casino uh, inside the sportsbook. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky with you. Ceasefire text line 601 879 I know that the conference expansion conversation is is kind of getting old, but this is I, I cannot help myself from laughing about this reporting from Brett McMurphy. If this doesn't tell you that academics don't need to be involved in sports at large anyway, there are some like Dr. Keenum that can balance both and do it very well, but he's the exception, not the rule. Reporting from Brett McMurphy. George Klyovkov, the commissioner of the soon-to-be-defunct Pac-12, tried blocking UCLA's move to the Big Ten with California regions. Then, in October of 2022, ESPN offered the Pac-12 $30 million per school, which would have saved the league had they uh, agreed to it. Would have saved it. But the president said no. But the pre- a Pac-12 president, quote, worked with a professor on his campus who estimated the school's market value was $50 million per school. So the Pac-12, based on this professor's advice, asked for the $50 million per school. So we know they denied because they thought that they wanted 50 Now we know where that money came from. One of the presidents went to a, like an economics professor on campus and told him to estimate our value. He said 50 and the conference subsequently blew up. What they didn't tell you was that professor was an Oklahoma State grad, and he was he, he was he was he was working. He was an inside agent, a sleeper cell. So, Could you imagine being that professor walking in, on your campus today? In, in summation, hope he's got tenure. George Klyovkov 
instead of using a high-powered television agency or multiple agencies to negotiate their TV deal, which, by the way, is what the SEC did a couple of years ago. Didn't really publicize it, just kind of did it behind the scenes. It's what the Big 12 did to hammer out a deal in short order. They went with a small boutique firm and the advice of .edu guy to determine their value and their worth, and it cost them their conference. We say all the time, elections have consequences. Decisions have consequences. Who you, who you rely like the, on for advice I, has consequences. I like the idea of Kliakov just, hey, my bad. My bad, guys. My bad. I, I, yeah, that, that's on me. <laughs> it's on me, you know, for sure. I mean, I, I, I really do feel bad for that professor. But I, I in really fairness, do. that may not be on George Kliakov. He may have said, look, We've got this $30 million per school per year offer from ESPN. This is a good deal. This is the route we should go. And smart guy president, don't know which one. Do we know which one? Can, can we find out no. which president, which school? No, we're not no, going to be able to. No. So smart Nobody's guy president. Nobody's going to admit to that. So, oh, somebody's going to leak that, though. If that's getting out, so, somebody, somebody's going to. To thirty million? You got to be kidding me! We're worth at least fifty million a year. Okay, let's see if we can go get Play, that. ESPN, playing you Bud know what Fox ESPN to said? Gordon Gecko over there. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was it was reported in multiple places that ESPN said, "Well, bye." <laughs> they curly build them. Um, uh, thanks, professor. I, I think it, Appreciate I think it was you. written as okay, goodbye. But I would prefer to believe that ESPN said, well, bye. <laughs> so more, um, more, uh, more conversations need to happen in gift form. Like I would love for them to get foiled one day and the, well, bye yes, that's just is the, the response from that's ESPN just the, in an email. <laughs> just, just Curly Bill sitting in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm down for that. It's like I know we normally communicate via email. Would you be okay with us want, doing this via text? It's so much easier to add I want, gifts. I want the Pac-12's email to be Dr. Evil saying, why ask for millions or billions when we can have millions? That's, that's what I want from them. Um, you can join us on the Ceasefire text line, introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire, the phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. It's just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at ceasefire.com, Ceasefire. Customer inspired. You guys, I'm not sure it's been quite as cool as we thought it was going to be. It's nice. This morning, late last night, early this morning, it was really pleasant. Have you have you managed to enjoy it a little bit today? And just a few minutes ago, I walked outside before the show, and like you see the sun, you just you brace yourself for that slap of heat, and it wasn't there. Little breeze. I was like, okay. This is nice. I'll just go ahead and tell you guys, by the way, I'm about a minus 500 favorite to pass out uh, in this show. You guys saw my lunch today. I'm so tired. I got the itis like you would not believe right now. This is why you need to... So, 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 I just want to put my head down on this table and just call it a day. Just like, I, I just had a Coke. I just had that's, a 20-ounce Coke. Yeah, Coke Zero. coffee. I don't do coffee. I mean, I'm just like... 
This, I, I told somebody, I was like, this will not be my most energetic show on Sports Talk Mississippi. So, I don't know how much of, I have to speaking give. Speaking of coffee, speaking of coffee, there's a, coffee. Uh, there's a spot in Oxford. Um, it, it's close to where I dropped the kids off at school. Uh, I, I don't It'd be weird if Brupolo was there. It, it, it's called, it's called Cafecitos. And they've got this little trailer that they serve out. It, it's, it's very much like a, a mobile remote location. People that have it are just, just as nice as they could be. And they've got regular customers. Like I see a lot of the same people on a daily basis. I've already had my coffee at that point. So I'm rocking a 24 ounce styrofoam cup while I'm in line. But I usually stop and grab Jane a cappuccino. Ava Montgomery has gotten, like, she loves the kind of sweet coffee drinks, like the, uh, you know, like a caramel macchiato, something like that. So I'll stop in, and I see some of the same people every morning. I, I got to get, I don't know this guy's name. And if I did, I don't think I should say it on the air because I might be writing him out. Get this guy, and this is a daily thing. I've seen it before, but today I really took notice of it. It's 7.50 a.m. He pulls up in his car. He's got on jeans and a long sleeve button up shirt, untucked. Got kind of a, uh, I won't say scraggly beard, but a, but a beard. Got sunglasses on. Has a cup of coffee in his hand as he is coming up to the coffee shop, and he's about halfway through a cigar. And this is a daily thing. And he walks to the window, and they say, "Hey, regular? Yeah, I'll take my regular." All right, we'll have the double espresso out in a second, and you want the cold brew also? Yep. So my guy, my guy shows up. He's he's loving the cool air this morning. Sits down in a chair right outside the little uh, serving area, puffing on his cigar with his cup of coffee in hand, waiting on his double espresso and his heavy cold brew. I mean. Is that a start to the day? Like, could you be any more energized if there was a plug that ran out of your rear end and you stuck it straight into the wall? I wonder what his heart rate is. Like 265, yeah. unprecedented He's got level. a little blood. He's got a little blood in his coffee stream. I'm, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I think my guy is L-I-V-I-N, at least for a little while longer. I don't know how long he's going to make it like this, but he is loving life and is so comfortable in his own skin. I, I I don't know. I just I saw that and I was like, "Wow, that is a start to your day." Not a healthy start. Not an unhealthy start. No judgment here. That is just a start to your day. You show up to your coffee spot with your coffee and a fat cigar that you're already halfway through, while waiting on the double espresso and the cold brew. He went home and ate 12 slices of bacon, too. I don't know if he told you that or not. I mean, can't be mad at him for that, can I? Dozen eggs, too. No, it, it did get a little a little hot today, but, man, 89 nice. feels right now after the four weeks that we've had here in the Jackson area like a cool, brisk, late October day. Uh, the dramatic difference uh, was awesome. Today, like I, I, I didn't want to die walking to my car or walking from my car into the building. I didn't want to die. It was nice, like riding with you for for the last few weeks. Riding with your windows down in the morning before eight a.m. is uncomfortable. Yeah. The last couple of days, it's been like, man, roll them down and let it go. What you got, hey Dad? You got a message on the ceasefire text line? No, 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 I don't. 
Okay. Um, there you go. Glad to be with you. We're going to take a quick time out. Way more with you after this in the Pearl River Resort Studios. What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi, on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi. We are going to continue to work our way back to where we are supposed to be. On the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days, picking things up at number 20 on the list today. We will start that in the 4 o'clock hour today. College football fix to begin the 5 o'clock hour. And, hey, Dad, I'm going to let you help me out on pronunciation. We're going to talk some Southern Miss football in the 4 o'clock hour as well with Andrew Abadie. Yeah, that's right. We're going to go with that? A- Andrew yeah. Abadie No, covers... that's correct. Okay, good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, cover Southern Miss football at Pine Belt Sports. At Pine Belt Sports, we'll talk some Southern Miss football with uh, with him coming up in the uh, four o'clock as well. But if you guys will indulge me, uh, I, I feel like we have almost worked our way out of list season. We're so close to games, we've kind of worked our way out of list. But this one is one that I, I think is. Fascinating to talk about a little bit. Adam Rittenberg at ESPN does this every year. Ranking college football's biggest underachievers. He says no team ever wants to be number one in college football's underachievers tiers. The annual preseason exercise examining the programs that do the least with the most. Number one, Texas A&M. I haven't read it yet. Keeping the top spot is especially painful, but it has happened with the Texas A&M fight Nagy's. All right. right, Here are the tears. You know what? For as much grief as we have given Texas A&M for having the name of their rival, in the first line of their fight song, goodbye to Texas University, and then they want to saw off the horns and the chorus and sway and all that good stuff. Texas does the same thing. Do they? Yeah, if you read if you read the uh, the lyrics to Texas's fight song, there is a uh, a reference to uh, Texas A and M in there as well. So, um, I I feel like I needed to bring. It's actually that. pretty common. This, if you if you I look just at learned the this past weekend. Songs. I just learned this past weekend that, that, that there was once a Texas A&M yearbook called the Longhorn. I mean, mm-hmm. it's incredible. I mean, in fairness, Alabama does in its fight song mention the Bulldogs and the Yellow Jackets. Go teach the Bulldogs to behave. Send the Yellow Jackets to a watery grave. I mean, okay. I don't, Nothing in states is. I don't know Ole Miss's. I don't know the words to Ford Rebels. Is there anything in there? No, there's not. No, there's we nothing in in that song at all. Not Forward that. Rebels, march to fame, hit that line and win this game. Don't stop till we, till you get enough. Something, something for your colors, <laughs> red and blue. Fight, fight, fight. <laughs> <laughs> what? Is, don't stop. Take it enough. Don't know. 
Yeah. Oh <laughs> Score a oh. touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I would pay money for that to be the old Miss Fight Sock. Rebels, you're the Southland's pride. Take that ball and hit your stride. Don't stop till the victory's won for your old Miss. Fight, fight for your old Miss. Oh, there you go. The lyrics to the alma mater are far better. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah. Ole Miss' alma mater is beautiful. Fight song, eh, a little lacking. All right, so these are the tiers. They have tier one which is a uh, category of one. Tier 2 is made up of college football playoff no-shows. Tier 3, they title Big City Blues. Tier 4, Tobacco Road Woes. Tier 5 is Group of Five Misery. And Tier 6, Bowls are the goal. So, let's start at the top. I mean, quite literally, Texas A&M, gets the top tier all to itself. After the 2020 season, Texas A&M appeared to be on its way under Fisher. The Aggies had navigated an SEC-only schedule to record uh, record their first AP top five finish since 2012. Financial clout has never been the issue in Aggieland, and few programs were better positioned for the NIL era. Instead, Texas A&M went 13-11 overall and 6-10 and in SEC play over the past two seasons. Despite one of the nation's strongest NIL collectives and an excellent recruiting location less than two hours from Houston in southeast Texas, the Aggies haven't translated success to the field. Hmm. How did they beat LSU in the season finale last year? I can't get past it. How did they do it? One of the, one of the biggest surprises of last season. you, you got to love this. Fisher might have been fired if not for a very A&M-like contract that makes a change financially prohibitive for the immediate future. Instead, he fired offensive coordinator Daryl Dickey and brought in Bobby Petrino. No chance that that goes poorly. No national title since 1939, no conference title since 1998, no BCS championship or CFP playoff appearance, and no consecutive AP top ten finishes. Since 92 through 94. That's the most um, alarming one of them all, is the the no access bowl appearances. Yeah. I mean, that's not... We've had eight years of access bowls. And in those eight years, Ole Miss has been to three. Mississippi Two Sugar Bowls and a Peach Bowl. Mississippi State's been to one. An Orange Bowl. And Texas A&M has conservatively doubled the resources, financially anyway, as Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I don't think that's unreasonable to just say that. I mean, and the budget alone go. is almost double. It's not quite double. And then factor, it's $100 million more. And factor in the availability of recruiting funds. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. shocking. It, it really it, – it, and it transcends logic, right? It, because someone was good there in hindsight compared to what you're getting from Jimbo, but he didn't work there. Nobody works there. Why doesn't anybody work there? Why aren't people working at Texas? 
Now, you know, people think they're going to win the Big 12 this year and Sark is the guy and all that, but I've heard that before. After Mac Brown left, it didn't work. How does it not work? LSU won a national championship with Ed Orgeron. And, and look, it, the, the answer can't be booster interference. I, I, like, I get that that is an issue at Texas and Texas A&M. Oh, the rich oil man, blah, blah, blah. Hold on a second. There may not be a program in the country that has more booster interference. Texas A&M went to the Orange Bowl in 2020. So, so they have been to an access bowl. Th- three times... Ole Miss has been to two more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there may not be a place in America with more booster involvement than Auburn. Fact. And yet, Auburn has won a national championship, played for another. They cut bait when they have to, or they believe they have to, when it comes to coaches. They... Cycle down, but then they cycle back up in a hurry. And usually the cycle up lasts a whole lot longer than the cycle down. Boosters have a role at LSU. Heck, boosters have a role at Ole Miss and Mississippi State. It's not the same meddlesome role that it is at some places. You better believe boosters have a role at Arkansas. But... So, so it can't. That can't be the answer, right? Well, they just got boosters that they have to deal with. They haven't had bad coaches. I mean, Mac Brown won a national title. It just slipped on him. It, it just did. But post Mac Brown, didn't work with Charlie Strong. Didn't work with Tom Herman. To be determined if it works with Sark. But the early returns, and it's not really fair, it's not like it, it it's worked great so far. Uh, it's certainly trending in the right direction. Feels like that way. He had a lot of work to do when he came in. What about with Texas A&M? Yeah. I mean, kind of a high with Sumlin when they had Johnny Manziel, and then it falls off a cliff, and then they go get Jimbo, and it's been, well, there was that 2020 season. Aside from that, woefully underperforming. Woefully underperforming. So, to to your question, Borky, what, what's the answer? I don't know. We have seen players, a bunch of them, from you, you can't say, well, Texas high school football players are soft. How many kids have we seen leave the state of Texas and be stars at other places in college football, be it Oklahoma, in the Big 12 or other schools in Texas in the Big 12, TCU, Baylor, they've all had more success. Not to mention Ole Miss, Mississippi State, LSU. A lot of high school football players out of Texas that have been really, really successful in college. Just not the ones that go to Texas and Texas A&M. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. All right. Yeah. 
looking at this perennial underachievers list from ESPN.com. Story by Adam Rittenberg. All guests, by the way, appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So A&M in a tier all by itself at the top of the list. Then you get college football playoff no-shows. They highlight USC, Texas, and Miami. Here's what they say about USC. The Trojans are close to removing themselves from this tier, but their futility during the CFP era has stood out. A program that claims 11 national championships and eight Heisman trophies, including its quarter current quarterback in Caleb Williams, has not won the biggest prize in college football since 2004. Now, there are lots of programs that have gone 20 years without winning a national championship. We don't have to look forward to see those. But those programs, generally speaking, are not named USC. I mean, USC has Alabama football history without Alabama's success over the last two decades. Yeah. I mean, it's what it is. I mean, you can argue you can argue very successfully that USC was a better football program than Alabama prior to 2007, 2008, when Saban really took off there. Yeah. But now you can't argue that anymore. No. And, and, and the thing with USC is, other than last year, have they really been have they have they been close to being in the college football playoff any season? I mean, if you want to call last year close, I think you can with how close the losses were. If if one play goes their way, then they probably make it, but they didn't. In, and ifs and buts in the and college candy football nuts era. and all that. In the college football era, these are their records: nine and four, eight and six, ten and three, eleven and three, five and seven, eight and five, five and one. They might have had a chance that year if they had won the uh, college, uh, if they had won the uh, Pac-12 championship game, but they didn't. Uh, four and eight, eleven and three. Never really close. Never not not a lot like there's a one-loss team in there. You just go, man, they got they got gypped out of that one by the SEC getting two teams in or something. And that's another place like Texas where great players are leaving California to go to places like Ohio State. I mean, the the inability to keep five-star players from California from not only leaving your state, but flying across the country to live in Columbus, Ohio and play football, or Tuscaloosa, Alabama to play football, that's a big problem. And I don't know how you address it. I have no idea about the local dynamics there, but man... Not keeping in-state kids and seeing them fly across the country has got to be frustrating, as as you know what, for the fans there. Double-digit wins in 16 and 17. Do you realize that Clay Helton served as the interim head coach two different times? Yeah. Yeah. So so he was the interim head coach in the season 20, what is it, 13? Lane Kiffin was fired. After a three and two start, Ed Ogeron led him to six and two. They told him he wasn't getting the job, and Clay Helton coached the bowl game. And then Sark had the job for two years, but was fired after five games in his second season. And Helton led them to a five and four record the rest of the way, and then he got the job. USC never really embraced him, and then after a one and one start in 2021, they fired him and had that four win season that Haydad referenced a second ago. So that's USC Texas. Since former Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger proclaimed that the program was back after a win in the Sugar Bowl over Georgia, the Longhorns are 28 and 20. 
During that same span, Baylor and Kansas State have won the Big 12. TCU um, made a trip to the uh, college football playoff national championship game on the heels of a 5-7 and seven season with a first-year head coach in Sonny Dykes. So, and then Miami is the other. The past 20 years have been especially sobering for the U. Miami is 152-99 and 99 overall with no conference title since claiming a shared Big East crown in 2003. No AP top 10 finishes and just three top 25 finishes since 2009. Tier 3, they go Big City Blues. So they're highlighting teams that are in big markets that underachieve. UCLA. Better last year. We'll see if they can keep the momentum going post-DTR with Chip Kelly. Maryland, which is just outside D.C. Come on. It feels like a bit of a stretch there. It does. Yeah. Are they giving Ole Miss credit for Memphis? I mean, what are we doing here? Well, I mean, Maryland kind of fancies itself D.C. school. I kind of fancy myself Margot Robbie's crush, but what do we want out of life, you know? I mean, they're not D.C. school. They're a whole lot closer to being D.C. school than you are to being Margot Robbie's crush. No offense intended. I can live with that, but neither one of us are particularly close to that particular uh, title. I mean, D.C. is is the ultimate melting pot. There's probably more Ole Miss fans and state fans in D.C. than there is Maryland fans. Arizona State's the other one in this tier. Which I kind of agree with. Like, every time I see Arizona State athletics, I'm like, there's really no excuse for them not being good in everything. They should be. I mean, it's it's hot there, but the weather's great. There's 70,000 students. It is an extremely diverse and an extremely attractive campus. You know, facilities are okay. You ought to be able to recruit to Phoenix. You ought to be able to recruit to Tempe. Yeah, Phoenix is cool, man. It's been a long time since I've been, but I I didn't know what I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting what it was in a good way. I have high hopes for Kenny Dillingham. I think he's a good young football coach. He'll run an exciting style of offense. He'll get get players there. Do you see what he did, uh, I think, last week or two weeks ago? So they they have they have a booster. I, I I don't think it's like a T T Boone Pickens level booster, but they have a booster that is kind of on his own, funding the NIL stuff there at Arizona State. He, he's their biggest donor by a long shot. Dillingham mm-hmm. straight up told him, whatever you want, if you want to come to every practice, come to every practice. You want to be on the side, do whatever, because I don't have a football team without you. But we are nothing without you. Yeah, and basically said that to his players as well. And said it to the media. He's just—he's like, I don't have a team. We're nothing without him. So he can do whatever he wants here. <laughs> you think that's something? Ole Miss gave their top booster a job as their sideline reporter last a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was fun and fun and everything. I mean, it's been like a decade, but I'm just saying. Who's counting? Yeah, and then he almost never mind. <laughs> oh, um, North Carolina, I didn't say NC that State. one. That was him. North Carolina and NC State are in the next tier. I don't know. Which I mean, what's this like, tier? What is the name of this tier? Tobacco Road Woes. Well, yeah. We're getting too specific with these tiers here. Just put them in a tier. Already. I do feel like North Carolina should be better at football than they have been historically. 
But like, they've been really I mean, good when Mac Brown's a head coach. That is true, and yeah, recruiting but, well and all that. But, but they. They, they are in that same recruiting area that everybody else is siphoning players out of. And North Carolina isn't a state that's producing a ton of talented players. They have great players, but not not a Texas or a yeah, Florida but, but or a Georgia More than level. it used to with the explosive growth of Charlotte and Raleigh. Right. Yeah. But it's not it's not the Atlanta area. It's not the Florida panhandle. It's not Texas or anything. But it's a great place to and live. They, I mean, there's so much place, going so, for so it. is Raleigh. So is NC State. Yeah. You know, and then you've got all those other schools in there that are they're picking players off everywhere everywhere you look. There are very few college towns that aren't great places to live. If we're if we're being, I mean, in major college towns anyway, there are some that I don't like, particularly Tuscaloosa. I just, yeah, I've been four times, like to visit and like spend a weekend, not to work, but like to hang out and had some friends there and stuff. And I never, I never really felt fully comfortable there, like I did. At other places I visited, like I, I liked Athens a, a so, whole lot, for example. Um, last but, year, uh, go ahead, go ahead. No, just there's very few of those places that you know a 17 year old kid wouldn't enjoy. I think when you're trying to sell them on it, I guess. Yeah. Last year, in the top ten players in North Carolina, North Carolina got three of them. Now they did get three of the top five, including one of the two five stars in the state. But Georgia got one, Maryland got one, Tennessee got one, Duke got one, NC State got one, Wake Forest got one, and Missouri, of all places, got one. I mean, it's just the talent's all spread out there. And then North Carolina has trouble. If they're going into the Georgia area, well, they're behind Georgia, they're behind Clemson, they're behind Alabama and Auburn. You know, they're not going to be any, they're not going to be hardly anybody's first pick. Yeah. But North Carolina, to me, is a big enough brand that if they commit to football on an ongoing basis, then they can – they should be able to get to a level close to what Clemson has accomplished. you think that might be possible, but it hasn't happened. No, it, it hasn't. It certainly has not. This category is tough. Group of five misery. South Florida. USF went 1-11 last year. UCF leaves to go to the Big 12, South Florida trying to find its way after going 4-29 in the last three years. And this is a program that in its infancy was rolling. Rolling. And then they fell off a cliff. And then UNLV and Texas State are the other two in this group. And they say just playing for a bowl game, Colorado, Nebraska, and Rutgers. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll look at the Sports Illustrated All-Americans when we come back. I listen to it at work. At work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. Our text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. Preseason All-America list from Sports Illustrated. Dropped earlier today. 
First team offense, quarterback Caleb Williams from Southern Cal. No surprise there, the reigning Heisman Trophy champion. The two first team All-American running backs, same as the uh, media's two first team All-SEC running backs. Quinshawn Judkins from Ole Miss and Raheem Sanders from Arkansas. They say the pair of SEC backs feature in run-heavy offenses and are explosive workhorses. Judkins and Sanders were first and third, respectively, in rushing attempts and show that while the era of the bell cow may be largely over, don't tell them that. Both their teams hope to ride their services to play spoiler in a deep division, of course, talking about the SEC West. That's crazy. You go two running backs on your All-American team. Not only do they both come from the same conference, they come from the same division of the same conference. And don't come from the favorites in that division. Yeah. Have you ever seen it written anywhere? And it's it's exactly right. Where a national writer... Described Lane Kiffin's offense as a run-heavy offense? I was going to say something about that. Kudos to whoever this writer is. Because I think, shout out to Richard Johnson. uh, Because he's right. And I don't know how people, whenever I do an interview and I talk about offense in the SEC, I'm like, I don't think people realize that Ole Miss has led the league in rushing, I think, three straight years. Three straight years. And, yeah. And it's like everybody thinks Kiffin's offense is the deep ball. The deep ball in that offense is completely predicated on you're scared to death, they're just going to gash you to death with the, with the running game. Yeah. So sh- shout out to Richard Johnson. He's a real one. Yeah, I, I, when I saw that, I was like, oh, wow, somebody did their homework. That's that's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. We need to get him on the show. Give him his, give him his flowers. Wide receiver, first-team All-America wide receivers, Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. Borky says yep. thinks he's the best in the country, and, and the yep. thing is, he's not alone. Uh, the way Ohio State's turning them out, he after he leaves, the guy behind him who's got the crazy name I can't remember, uh, might end up being better than him. So you go Thomas to Olave to, uh, well, Thomas was it Thomas Olave Smith and Jigba, and then now Harrison Jr. and then this guy like just boom 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 in a row like Alabama running backs. Mm-hmm. And Alabama was doing that with wide receivers for a while as well. Yeah, but maybe not quite to the same level as Ohio State. Um, the other two are Allie Jennings from Virginia Tech, the old Dominion transfer. And is it Romy? Romeo Dunze from Washington? Or maybe it's just Rome. It's R-O-M-E. Led the Pac-12 in receiving yards and was a favorite target of Michael Penix Jr. last season. The tight end... I mean, just like rinse and repeat, Brock Bowers, Georgia. Does he count? Like, it, that, they, if you he are doing everything. fantasy football, he shouldn't count as a tight end. He's a flex. He's a flex. He's got to be. Now, don't get me wrong, outstanding player and all that, but if, if college football fantasy was a more widespread thing, the league should have debates about whether or not you're allowed to draft Brock Bowers to play true tight end. Doesn't seem fair. Yeah. Offensive but he is one. Up he is one. Of Cooper Beebe from Kansas State. Oh, Luma. Oh, oh, sorry. 
Olumuia, Olumuia, Fashanu at Penn State. Yeah, we'll go with that. Zach Frazier from West Virginia, the Cedric Van Pran from slender. Georgia, and Zach Zinter at Michigan. That's your offensive line. First right. team defense, edge rushers, Dallas Turner, Alabama, Chop Robinson, Penn State. What a name. Chop Robinson. Great too. Rush in. How was he not on the all-name team? Goodness. I don't know. Uh, the defensive tackles are Jerjon Newton from Illinois and Dante Corleone from Cincinnati. Your linebackers, Jeremiah Trotter. Oh, the day of my daughter's wedding, I'm going to sack you. Tommy Eichenberg from Ohio State and Harold Perkins from LSU. Did you guys catch this the other day? Or was it something else that I was listening to? Harold Perkins is primarily going to play inside linebacker for LSU. Is that the right spot we'll for him? see how that goes. I don't know if there's a wrong spot for Harold Perkins. He's a, fo- he's a football player. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's one of those you deals. want him and wreak havoc. Yeah, it's one of those deals where you can line him up or you can label him as an inside linebacker, but they're going to move him all over the place. Right. Your uh, your defensive backs at corner, Kool-Aid McKinstry from Alabama and Kalen King from Penn State. Cameron Kitchens from Miami and K- uh, Kalen Bullock from USC are the safeties. And the punter is Mason Fletcher from Cincinnati. He is 6 feet 7 inches, and he had an 84-yard punt last season. Joshua Cardi from Stanford is the kicker. And Jalen Lucas from Indiana is the return specialist. We'll be back 4 o'clock hours next. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour with you at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon, the middle of your work week. You can be part of the conversation on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Ceasefire customer inspired. Just quickly finishing out that second team All America list from Sports Illustrated, and there is a there there are two specific reasons that I do that. You know, we'll get to those in just a second. Second team quarterback is Drake May. The running backs are Blake Corum from Michigan and Nick Singleton from Penn State. The wide receivers here's one of the reasons: Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky, Dante Cephas from Penn State, and they list Akari Franklin from UTSA. Pretty. Sure that Zakari Franklin is at Ole Miss now, isn't he? Yes. And and yes. missed most of camp with an injury, but there was some well, concern throughout the summer about some eligibility issues, but apparently that all has worked out, and now they're just waiting on him to get healthy and uh, be ready to go. He, he is back practicing now, right? I don't know that answer. Or, or close. The, the, it would fit the timeline that was initially given, yes. People kind of think it was going to be week yeah. two, week three, somewhere in there. So, 
We uh, we will see. Uh, the tight end has a hyphenated name, Brevin Span Ford from Minnesota. Congratulations on both last names to uh, the tight end from Minnesota. All right. <laughs> Just got you got a big smile out of you. I wasn't sure. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure where we're going. All right, go ahead. Yeah, going nowhere. The uh, the offensive line: uh, Graham Barton from Duke, Joe Alt from Notre Dame, Bo Limmer from Arkansas, Christian Mahogany from Boston College, and Sincere Hainsworth from Tulane. Over to the defensive side, the edge rushers are Jared Burst from Florida State. Is his middle State. name Rich? Please tell me his middle name is Rich. Rich <laughs> Mahogany. Oh, yeah. And you know what would be funny if also, uh, if Sincere was known around the team as being like completely dishonest, like just full of crap all the time? <laughs> I'm just upset that neither one of these... Parker Titsworth didn't make either one of these teams. I was sort of kind of, I was pulling for the kid. Yes, this is not the all-name team. No, uh, all, it all should be though. We got like sincere it. and rich mahogany over here. Uh, the edge rushers are Jared Verse from Florida State and Latu Latu from UCLA. Defensive tackles Mason Smith, kind of like a a Aaron May Ason <laughs> Smith from LSU. And uh, Michael Hall from Ohio State. Linebackers, Jamon Dumas-Johnson from Georgia, Abdul Carter from Penn State, Johnny Hodges from TCU. Have you noticed how many Penn State first and second team All-Americans they've got? That roster is loaded. At least in the the first group they are. They they think that they've got a championship-caliber football team in Happy Valley this year. That's what they think. The, uh, The special teams... It is an SEC sweep. The punter is Kai Kroger from South Carolina. The kicker is Will Reichard from Alabama. And the returner is Ladiatric Griffin from Mississippi State. Also known as Tulu. And yes, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Ladiatric. Uh, oh, oh. That's, is it Ladiatric? I think it's Ladiatric. I could be wrong. It doesn't matter. He's Tulu. He should be first team, though. What does this guy have to do? He led the nation in kickoff returns last year. He returns. Why would you not put him number one? I don't get it. Uh, he Let's see here. Jalen Lucas for Indiana had three 70-yard kick return scoring plays a year ago. Two kick returns. Led FBS with two re- kickoffs return for touchdowns, it says. Okay. I, I, the other guy to watch on kick returns is Brian Betsy, the former USF running back slash kick return specialist that's now at Auburn. Watch out for Auburn special teams with him back there. Kid can fly. You know how sometimes, even this time of year, like right before football, there's still kind of an absence of news. Mm-hmm. Got a kick out of some reporting out of Auburn camp this week where they announced, or, or it was news that Hugh Freeze has narrowed his quarterback competition down to two. <laughs> Guys, it's All always right, so been it's, two. Uh, Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford yeah. now, right? Yeah, and yeah, and he's doing the same thing he did with Chad Kelly, by the way. And, and I understand why coaches do this, don't get me wrong, but he's doing the whole, I had my mind made up and now i got to go watch the film because my mind's not made up. His mind's made up. Of course it is. And it was when Chad Kelly took the first snap in camp and threw a pass, and everybody on that field knew 
okay, Chad Kelly's the quarterback of that team. And and Hugh, to his credit, took that thing all the way to game week. And, uh, yeah, it was Chad Kelly the whole time. Same thing's happening here. He knows, but he's playing the media like a fiddle. He, he's good at that sometimes. Yeah. Y'all, y'all want to hear somebody uh, who I, I whose college football opinion I consistently don't care for say something dumb? Yes. Okay, that's not nice. I mean, uh, Richard's right here. It's not Richard. So CBS Sports inside college football, their crew released their preseason Heisman ballots. Aaron Taylor says Drake May is his favorite, followed by Caleb, Caleb Williams and Blake Corum. Brian That's Jones reasonable. says Caleb Williams will repeat. Caleb Williams will repeat with Blake Corum and Jaden Daniels is his top three. And then there's Danny Cannell with his top three of Cade Klubnick, Jordan Travis, and Marvin Harrison Jr. Doesn't even put Caleb Williams in his top three. Just, just, just stop. I watch pro wrestling and it is realer than Danny Cannell. I believe what MJF says more than I believe what Danny Cannell says. But do you hate his list? Yes. I do. I do hate his list. I, I like I don't, Travis. Don't get me wrong. I don't know but, that I think but, that that's an unrealistic list of names, though. Kate no, Club, Caleb Williams, and not in your. Caleb Williams not in your top three is unrealistic. Unless he gets hurt, he's easily going to be in your top three. And you can't I mean, project injuries. Maybe Dr. I mean, Cannell's going to examine him and decide that he's not good to go for the uh, the Trojans. <laughs> I mean, the first time that he's altered the course of college football with a decision. Some good, some bad in that decision. Depending on who you are. Danny Cannell is a bit of a contrarian. I don't hate the names on that list, though. A bit. Those are look. Those are all good college football players. They'll have fine seasons, but not putting the defending Heisman Trophy winner in your top three is just silly. It's just being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian. It'd be like me listing the top three running backs in this state and saying Frank Gore Jr., Woody Marks, and literally anybody other than Quinn John Judkins. Yeah. Just a pet peeve of mine. I hate when the word defending is used to describe uh, reigning, reigning, yeah, reigning, I'm a big I'm reigning champion, reigning winner guy versus defending. It's like I hear I'm you. not defending it. You can't take it from me. I want it. I'm the reigning champion until somebody else. But again, potato, potato. I mean, I'm not like fighting anybody over it. I just kind of a thought. Uh, Jason I got says Canell has been playing a heel. For a couple of decades now, he knows exactly what he's doing. And I get that, but they put him out there like he's his opinion is to be valued. It's not. You don't even think it's his actual opinion? No. no. You, I'll tell you what. If I gave him $1,000 and said, go bet on the Heisman Trophy winner, you think he's putting on Klubnik over Caleb Williams? No. I don't know. Is he a value investor? He isn't. I don't think that he is. Something about him just tells me he's going to take the money and run there. He just you know, buys blue chip stocks and moves on with his uh, yeah. his modest yeah. returns. And then he exactly he's not hitting the pink sheet. Or he gets another turtleneck. Ooh, that's true. He's been turtleneck guy when he was at ESPN, wasn't he? Yeah. I bet still is. 
I mean, once you get the feel and comfort of having a warm neck when you're firing off ACC takes, then you can't get away from that. I mean, isn't there a trade-off? We should have, we should have Danny Cannell Day and get a uh, get a turtleneck for each of us. You ever Did wanted, Gentile make a turtleneck? You ever worn a turtleneck before? Uh, I mean, not since in, like, fourth grade. Yeah, that didn't count. What, what somebody else makes you wear, that doesn't count. Well, like, as an closest- adult. I had a... I had a purple turtleneck that I wore under my shoulder pads when it was cold in high school football. Purple I was like, it was like a, the, it was the more of a shirt. Thing but, you know. that I've worn to a turtleneck is like a compression fit mock turtleneck when we went skiing, yeah. like as a base layer, and it's the most miserable thing I've ever put on my body. It's like I'm constantly like, ah, it's tight. It's, it's like I don't know. Anyway, um, we we shall continue. We shall carry on. Thanks, Danny Cannell, for the uh, the content. Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Let's uh, let's pick off a team or two on the uh, countdown when we come back. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Well, I'm going to miss her. I get home. Right now I'm on this lake shore. And I'm sitting in the sun, I'm sure it'll don't forget when we get finished up tonight with Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. You've got another hour of sports with Brian Haydad. It's Thunder and Lightning on the radio, available to you online at supertalk.fm. And without turning, well, you don't really turn a dial anymore on the radio. You just press a button. Nah, no. So without, without even pushing a button to go to a different station, you can uh, you can catch Brian Haydad. Any guests this evening? No guests this evening. We're plenty to talk about. Yeah. Like football. That will be one of the main focuses, I would imagine, yes. Is there another focus? No. Okay. Way to tease your program, buddy. You get mad at me when I don't mention that your show's coming on, and when I give you a chance to tell people what the heck's coming on and why they should hang around and listen to you for another hour... Yeah, we might talk some football. Anything else? No, that's it. No. Okay, no guess. This is going to be me opining for an hour. Can't wait to be with you. Hey. It's great. It's going to be fantastic. There you go. That's coming up after uh, I'll probably make, I'll probably make fun of Richard as well. It just looks like he just made fun See, of me. See, now that's a tease. There. There. This show is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Follow along on all of their social media platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Visit Oxford MS. Oxford has come back to life. You can see it in the traffic. You can see it in the restaurants. You can see it in the lines at checkouts at whatever stores you uh, you go to we got uh, got a ton going on. Keep up with everything that's happening in and around Oxford on the Visit Oxford website. Visit OxfordMS.com. All right, let's uh, let's pick up the countdown. One hundred teams in one hundred days. This day is bananas. E A 
100 teams in 100 days. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Team number 20 on the countdown made its FBS debut last season, and it was a, uh, a fairly successful one. The James Madison Dukes. Stand up, Kelso. Playing that Sunbelt schedule last year, James Madison went 8-3. and three. But they weren't eligible, eligible for the postseason, right? Right, because the NCAA is stupid. Yeah. Makes no sense at all. Yeah. Are they eligible this year, or is it two full years in which you're not eligible for postseason play? I think they're good this year. Okay. We'll go with that, at least for now. Question is, are they going to be good this year? Um, Kurt Signetti, the former West Virginia quarterback, is in his fifth season as the head coach at JMU, and they've been good. Eight and three last year, twelve and two in twenty twenty one. And that spring schedule they played that the FCS played in twenty twenty one also. They went seven and one. Twenty nineteen, a fourteen and two record. They have been good and they've been consistent. So the question is, what about Alonzo uh, Alonzo Barnett? The redshirt freshman is expected to be the starting quarterback. They have to replace their starting quarterback. They have to replace their leading rusher from a season ago, and they have to replace their leading receiver. That is a 900-yard rusher, a 1,000-yard receiver, and a 2,700-yard passer at quarterback that went uh, 25 touchdowns and five picks. So some questions on the offensive side of the ball, maybe fewer of those on the defensive side. Top three tacklers and four of the top five back from a season ago. James Madison, how about this? Two years in the Sun Belt, they're on the uh, on the same schedule as Southern Miss, and they have um, they have yet to play Southern Miss, and not going to do it this year either. This season, James Madison opens with Bucknell. They go to Virginia in Week Two, and they go to Troy in Week Three. Ooh, that Week Two game! I was going to say, ooh, that Week Three game. Well, that too for the Sun Belt, but uh, if you're looking for games. you know one of those games that that when you pull up your score app. You might want to try to find that one. That that might be like a third quarter flip over to see an upset. Yeah. So Bucknell, UVA on the road, jump into conference play with a road trip to Troy, jump back out of conference play with a road trip to Logan, Utah to take on Utah State. Then they get their first home conference game this year against South Alabama. Georgia Southern after an open date, got to go to Marshall, host Old Dominion. They go to Georgia State, UConn, another um, non-conference game, then they finish up with Appalachian State and Coastal Carolina on the road. That's a uh, that is a tough finish in late November, hosting App State and then going to Coastal in the final two weeks yeah. of the uh, of the regular season. The hope thing you're that not, is, you know, need, needing bowl eligibility at that point. You, you, you hope you have your sixth win by then. Yeah, it's it's a big It'll ask. Be tough. The the thing that that really stands out about James Madison is how good they've been offensively. So two years ago, they averaged 38 points and 435 yards a game. And then last year, with a transfer coming in at quarterback, they went for 37 points and 452 yards a game. 
And so the question is, with another new starting quarterback, can they have that kind of season once again? James Madison, the Dukes, team number 20 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Shall we get one more while we're at it? We can squeeze another one in. Let's go to the Big 12. Sick them. Sick them, Baylor. What a good program it's turned into. And, and remarkably so. Matt Baylor saved them. Baylor went from flying high to the depths of despair to respectability and then kind of back to excellence. 2018, they go 7 and 6. 2019, they go 11 and 3. COVID year was not good to them. 2 and 7. What do they do? They follow it up with a 12 and 2 season and a win over Ole Miss in the Sugar Bowl in 2021. But then kind of took a step back last year. They may have a lot of quarterback injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Or it was two years ago where they had the big quarterback in. That's right. Blake Shapin kind of went the distance for them at quarterback last year. Their losses were double overtime at BYU to an Oklahoma State team that at the time was ranked number nine in the country. Bad loss at West Virginia. Then they went on a little bit of a tear. They beat Kansas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma in consecutive weeks, two of those on the road. But then they lost to Kansas State, TCU, and Texas. And you remember that TCU game. Lost at 29-28. That was the fire drill field goal for TCU, right? Yes. Yes, it was. Fantastic game. Yeah. Dave Aranda's a good coach. And and an extremely likable coach also. Fourth and so, season. You know, you talk a lot. You talk to us sometimes about close losses. And, you know, this team should be better. You look at these close losses. Baylor's a team I believe that with because Aranda is a winner and has won games. So when I see them lose by six to BYU, by three to West Virginia, by one to Texas uh, to TCU, I know that you know a break here or there, and they, this could have been an eight-win football team. Yeah, they opened this year with Texas State, and Texas State had it going for a little while, but you got to go back a little a little ways. So. They've only been an FBS program since 2012. But they're in a good location between Austin and San Antonio. It's a school with 38,000 students. And do you remember Dennis Franchione was uh, at, at Texas State for two years? And they were pretty good back in 2013 and 2014. But since then, they have not won more than three games in a season. So, Baylor should be okay in week one. Man, Tip of the cap to Kyle Whittingham in Utah. They play a schedule. In week one, Utah hosts Florida. In week two, they go to Baylor. Yeah. Impressive. By the way, we'll talk more about Utah coming up later in the show this afternoon with the college football fix. After the game against Utah, they play mighty Long Island. I was today years old when I learned in the that world. Long Island had a... Uh, had a football team. Well, now i got to know what their mascot is. I've got to know. It's not the Islanders, is it? No, that's Texas A&M Corpus Christi. I think they're the Islanders. They're the Sharks. The Long Island Sharks. Yeah. Okay. 
Big 12 play starts for Baylor with Texas on September 23rd. They go to UCF, new team in the league. Get Texas Tech at home, then an open day. Go to Cincinnati, host Iowa State and Houston in back-to-back weeks. Back-to-back road games against K-State and TCU, and they close it out at home against Country Roads Take Me Home, West Virginia. So, home team has won 10 of the last 11 in the series with West Virginia. That's Baylor, team number 19 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. On Super Talk Mississippi. Education system is a go. Go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. We are getting closer and closer every day, a little closer to the start of the college football season. Southern Miss opening the year with Alcorn State camp rolling on for Will Hall's team. And to uh, talk some Southern Miss football, Andrew Abadie joins us right now. He covers Southern Miss for uh, Pine Belt Sports. You can find that online at hubcityspokes.com and click on the uh, the sports tab, tab. Andrew, what's up, man? Thanks so much for uh, for spending a few minutes with us this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Hey, so let's start with the news that that came out today. Will Hall announcing that um, uh, Avery Habas is out for the year. I kind of feel like people were beginning to expect that. I guess it was, what, the very first press conference after the first day of practice he was asked about, and Will Hall said, you know, there's some medical stuff going on. That's as far as I'm going to go with that. And and didn't really get to the point where he said out for the year until today. What what do we know about this? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, officially that's kind of the gist of the story. Um, You know, he was – not not with the program for the first couple weeks, uh, you know, for that medical condition. And then he came back to see – he came back on Monday to be with Southern Mrs. medical staff, I guess, to get evaluated. And like you mentioned, they finally announced today that he's out for the year. And, you know, losing Avery Hobbes, that's kind of a big blow for Southern Miss. He brings back a boatload of experience. He's the key anchor on their defense. And, you know, it stinks. They, they, and to add to it, they don't know – he can redshirt yet. You know, I, I've heard speculation on what the issue is, but I'm not going to say what it is since I don't know it officially. Um, I'm sure that'll probably come out in the next couple of weeks. Will Will Hall basically said today that uh, he's going to leave it up to Avery Hobbes if he wanted to to put it out there himself and say why he wasn't going to be able to play this season, um, which I definitely understand. Uh, but you know, point of point of the matter is it, it's a blow, um, it, and you know. They were expecting him to be a key part. The guy behind him, Jaleel Clements, has had a great fall, great spring, and I think he'll have a very good year. But you know, that's a that's a guy, that's a locker room guy, and that's a key piece to their defense. So, Andrew has has he already used a, a normal red shirt, a regular red shirt season, which is the reason that they would have to get some sort of a special medical red shirt? Am I, am I reading into that the right way? Yeah, so I was looking back, so he had one season in junior college, and he played three years. He played from 2020, 21, and 22, so he still has the medical and the grad transfer, so he, he could do he could still play a normal year of football um, to 
to explain it at its simplest. So yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll see and keep an eye on that to see if he comes back uh, as well. Um, give us an update on the the quarterback position. Uh, I, I feel like most people are kind of leaning in the direction of this being Holman Edwards. Um, I don't un- unless he has announced it in the last day or so, and I've missed it. Will Hall has not made an official announcement as to who his starting quarterback is going to be. And what we've had is it Zach Wilkie that has missed some practice time over the last few days. Yeah, uh, that's been kind of a strange thing to to put it bluntly. Um, you know, he was at the scrimmage on Saturday before they started, and then he left. And all we've been told is that it's a family issue. Okay. You know, I. I can't just I, I couldn't tell you any more other than that. Uh, that's the story that's, that's been said. Yeah, he hasn't been with the program. Uh, unfortunately, I couldn't go to practice today because my paper has to go to press on Wednesday mornings. But I would have known. I feel like I would have known if he re- would have returned to practice. But um, you know, you can only really speculate what's going on with Wilkie. I mean, I feel like if he was no longer with the program, Will Hall would have just came out and said it. So I, I don't really quite know what that story is. Um, again, you can speculate, but on officially, it's a family matter. It's strange. I can tell you that much. Okay. Um, and I do think, I think the plan, I think they were going to discuss redshirting him. And I do know true freshman Ethan Crawford has looked very good in taking backup reps. Um, I mean, he was really impressive this past scrimmage. Will Hall came out and said the third string job is looking to be his. And, and honestly, I feel like the way Ethan Crawford had played this past uh, scrimmage, like he, he would have been an easy starter for given their quarterback situation the last two years, but that's not going to really, I don't think, be the case of, of how things unfold. But yeah, um, getting back to the starting quarterback question, Holman Edwards or Billy Wiles? Um, and it, it's still hard to say because Will Hall has said it, and I'm inclined to agree. Neither one has had a bad day. There's never been a moment to say, oh, well, this guy's trending downwards with this, or this guy's had consistent bad days i mean these guys are even it's been more of so-and-so had a better day but the other guy didn't have a bad day and you know going back to the spring i would have said holman edwards was the guy but billy wiles was dealing with the lateral uh quadricep lateral injury so his throws were kind of being affected and it was obvious to see he played through it but you know this spring he, he looked really good um, i mean he's made really nice plays he's kind of made up for that i, I think I think it's going to come down to what Will Hall wants. Um, I think they both run the offenses really well. I think Billy is more consistent, and I think Holman Edwards is more of a home run guy. Um, and, you know, it kind of depends on what they want and what they're thinking. I, I don't think there's a wrong answer with either one. And I'll say this, I, I think I think they're upgraded at quarterback with either guy compared to the last two years. So I don't think there's going to be a wrong answer. I think you'll – probably see both of them at this point given this how close this quarterback battle is um you know I, i'm planning to write a story as to who i think should be the starter and i still don't know who i think should, the starter should be i'm hoping <laughs> that we see something for this uh at the saturday scrimmage visiting with andrew abity uh covers southern miss at pine belt sports um so we know what frank gore jr is like there, there's no mystery there but we also know that Will Hall likes physical practices, he likes full pads, he likes playing football. How are they treating Frank Gore uh, in in this camp, in these scrimmage settings, when you have a known quantity, and, and you got to get him enough work, but man, you got to keep that guy healthy also. 
Yeah, no, they're treating Frank Gore the same way they have been the last two, I'd say at least two years. Um, and you've kind of said it. It's because they want to keep him healthy. They know what they have with him. It's keeping him healthy. I mean, he, he's, he doesn't take hardly any snaps in a scrimmage. Uh, he took, like, I think two last Saturday, and I'm surprised he took that many. Perfect. Um, Perfect. They, That's the way yeah, to do it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I don't think there's – if Frank Gore got hurt this in the coming days at practice, it, it would be a shock to me because they're very careful with him. And, and like I said, they know what they have. There's no need to push it. What, uh, what day do classes start at Southern Miss? Is it this week or is it next week? Next, I think they start August 21st or 22nd. Will Hall has said that he will name his starting quarterback on August 22nd. So that there okay. is a timeline. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's good to know. And, and I guess I was asking because I know once classes start, you have to kind of ramp practice back down a little bit. Uh, wh- where are they in your mind, Andrew, um, in terms of kind of on the schedule of camp? Have they already kind of back things off a little bit, or is it still full-go camp mode right now? Um, I think they've kind of ramped it down a little bit. You know, the way they do the the last two weeks, or really the last week of fall camp, they'll have their Saturday scrimmage, which was last week, and then they have another scrimmage this week to end fall camp. Um, So, you know, they they start to kind of take it easy during the week, knowing that they're going to be really pushing it on those two Saturdays. So, you know, it's worked pretty well. so they, they've been kind of slowing it down, take it easy, working install, you know, trying to correct things that they saw from their first scrimmage. Gotcha. Well, we're getting close to the start of the season, Alcorn State on September 2nd, then that trip to Tallahassee in uh, in week number two. Andrew, thanks so much for your time. Great catching up today, and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes, anytime, and thank you again for having me on. Absolutely. That's Andrew Abadie from uh, Pine Belt Sports. If you want to read his work, there's a lot of Southern Miss coverage at hubcityspokes.com, hubcityspokes.com. Go over to the sports tab and scroll down to uh, Southern Miss, and you'll get plenty of uh, football news as um, they get ready. I feel like there's like a lot of stuff all of a sudden that's kind of shrouded in secrecy as it pertains to Southern Miss, but maybe it's just health, medical-related stuff and trying to kind of... Just that time of year. This is the time of year where we got to have some secrecy. We can't have those national secrets of who might start a college football game getting out. Yep, yep, yep. Got to have, got to have the state secrets. Protect them like the nuclear codes. This, yeah, it applies to basically everybody. It's not a, a Southern Miss thing. It's an everybody thing. But I always make this comparison: the NFL is an eleven billion dollar a year product. Mm-hmm. College football is not. And the NFL has to disclose everything. Who they're interviewing for assistant positions. Who was at practice. Who was limited at practice. Why were they limited. Everything is disclosed to everybody. And it's an $11 billion a year league. Whereas who might start the Mercer game is not disclosed to Anybody, it cracks me up. But but in fairness, on, on these two issues in Different. particular, it sounds like with Avery Habis, there's some sort of a, a medical condition, whether it's physical or otherwise, that is kind of private, and and they're allowing him to handle that how he wants to. And then, in terms of Zach Wilkie going home for a little while, they're just calling it a family situation. Yeah. So I, I suppose it's okay that that's private. It's as different well. with that. 
Yeah. All right, we'll come back and wrap up the 4 o'clock hour next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Please start talking so that will stop playing. Goodness gracious, what is that? I could tell you were uncomfortable, and so I decided to just let it hang for a second. I'm just going to see where we were going with that. I had to jump in there. Goodness gracious. I accidentally, I didn't mean to put that song in there. I can't stand that either. Sometimes you you drag the wrong one. Stop playing the the, the Gallo playlist there and, and play our music, please. Hey, congratulations to the guy who's sending a pet- uh, starting a petition to get us off the air. Yeah. Okay. Good luck with that, man. Good luck, buddy. I, yeah. I, I, I appreciate, wish you the best. I appreciate people who advocate for the things in which they believe. Good for you. Good for you, man. Yeah. Uh, Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Gonna, Thanks for being with us. I'm going to yes, sign man. his phone number up for Cat Facts. It's like cat facts. Um, All right. So everything that happens at Colorado around the football program is news these days because, well, because of Coach Prime. So we get a story out of Colorado football. They had a scuffle in camp. A little bit of a uh, little bit of a fight during camp. I play the we, audio, but it, it, I, I can't. Okay, if you yeah, guys probably, catch my drift, probably don't. Probably not a good plan. So Colorado is in a category that includes every college football team and most high school football teams in America, in which they have had a fight in camp leading up to the start of season, the, the season. But it's different. Because everything Colorado does, um, Junior shoots it all and edits it, and it goes out on YouTube, and like it's it's like Colorado football. Coach Prime is it's a walking, talking YouTube documentary, like in real time. And we get Coach Prime's comments to go along with it. He was he was mad at the offense, Borky. Yeah, the, the, and, and he's getting criticized for it today. And and you know, maybe I'll be the contrarian today. But but after the scuffle, and that's all it was. It was a scuffle. They happen all the time. One happened at Ole Miss camp. Guess what? It, it'll probably happen again. Maybe next year, or the year after. It happens everywhere. It's just in college, there's less access, so they don't get reported as much. They've had one. Happen. LSU had a widely reported one that included Harold Perkins and who was the other? Harold uh, Perkins got kicked off in Malik Neighbors. Harold Perkins yes. got kicked off the practice field, and guess what? It's fine. Uh, Emmanuel Forbes at training camp got involved in the scuffle. Guess what? It's fine. It's totally fine. The Saints had one. He, had to get, he almost got the towel out on him. He, had to, he was he was getting upset. Yeah, he was. But um, so they happen, 
And Coach Prime got his offense together and was yelling at him because, not because they fought, but because while one of the offensive players was involved in a scuffle, a couple of them walked off the field instead. And he said, never again, if one of you's fighting, all of you are fighting. Here's the direct quote. He just fought. I saw two of y'all walking off over there, and you got a teammate fighting. Where they do that at? Where they do that at? If one fight, we all fight. You understand that? I don't want to see y'all walking off when somebody's fighting. Never again. And people are criticizing him. Oh, what a terrible message. What a terrible message. No, no, here's what, and you may not like it, but, but here, if I was, if I was the player that was involved in a scuffle, I would want every single one of my teammates to have my back. If my best friend, I had a best friend, uh, in college get involved in a scuffle in a bar. And I don't condone that. I think it's stupid. But you want to know what I did the second I saw it start? I stood right next to him. And buddy, if you're if you're swinging, I'm swinging too because you're my be- I don't even care what you did or said, but but I love you. You're my brother and and you and I, I'll go down with you. You sound like the second verse of it I ain't as good as I once was. And and you know this guy was uh he he had drank too much and he was by himself and when me and a couple others stood next, like they didn't actually fight, but I actually like that his from, name from Dave? Deion Sanders. If your teammate's involved in something, you better go get involved in something too and protect your boy. Because right there, he was surrounded by a bunch of not his boys. And what did you do? You walked off the field? And you're supposed to play football together? I actually liked that. And a lot of people have criticized it. If you're supposed to be a team, if you're supposed to be a brotherhood, which is a word that a lot of them use, and one of your boys is involved in something, you better go help him. Or else, are you really his boy? I think it's part of culture building, right? I think so, and everybody was critical of it. I, I couldn't disagree with the criticism more. What Nancy Armour said? Did Christine Brennan have a take? I don't follow either one, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'd love to. I'd love to hear from them. What about old Danny Boy and Stewie? Did they have takes on this? Maybe. Old Stewie, that's Hey Dad's favorite guy. Five o'clock hour coming up. We'll start things off with the college football fix driven by Ford. That's on the other side of this timeout. The news is next. If you're home for if it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk Mississippi. Just after 5 o'clock with you on this Wednesday afternoon. Thanks for being with us on Sports Talk Mississippi. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Um, we, we are going to be at Pearl River Resort soon. And I'm going to try to go take a peek at Dancing Rabbit. Two courses. The Oaks and the Azaleas. Both 18-hole championship courses. Wonderful condition. Told you back in the spring about some of the work that they did uh, updating 
and uh, kind of redoing some of the bunkers. Courses gotten a lot of play over the summer, and it's in uh, in great shape. If you've been there, you know that. If you haven't, well, it's time to make a trip to Dancing Rabbit. You can book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. That's dancingrabbitgolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with AutoPay. Learn more at cspire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. It's time right now, as it is every day at this time, for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. But don't stop there. Visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Check out the summer sales event and test drive the vehicle that you love today. Let's go to um, the West Coast. Well, almost to the West Coast. Utah. You, you, is, didn't, you didn't read the headline or the, uh, the the title of the segment. Um, Today in, quote, thank the football gods this is not my team, end oh, quote. My apologies for not reading your... Come on, man. Well thought out headline. Um, I was trying to decide how to describe Utah. It's like, let's go to the Pac-12. Well, I mean, the Pac-12 that's kind of like the Pac-4... That is soon to uh, have a team going to the Pac-12, or I mean, the, the whatever, Utah, the, the Grand Utes. Tetons. So we know about Cam Rising, like one of the toughest players that you will find in college football. Like Cam never slide Rising, a joy to watch play. He's a fun guy to watch play. Threw for over three thousand yards, had twenty six touchdowns last year, ran it for. 465 yards, had six touchdowns on the ground uh, towards ACL in the Rose Bowl last year. He's not completely back. He's practicing some, but he's not practicing all the time. We don't know his status for the season opener on that Thursday night. What, two weeks from tomorrow in the season opener for Florida and Utah. Utah needs Cam Rising. But in the absence of Cam Rising, the expectation was that Brandon Rose would be the quarterback. He's a redshirt freshman. They think a lot of him. And maybe the next in line at Utah. Kyle Whittingham is a um, he's a tough guy. He's a football guy. You look at him and you tell him he's a tough guy. Been there for a long time. 19th year as the head coach at uh, at Utah. And he does things his way. And his practices are physical, his camp is physical, and they tackle to the ground. Everybody. And in fairness to him, because we talk about football guys, sometimes that becomes like a negative thing. Very successful coach. So his methods have worked. The, the last five seasons, not including 2020, when they only played five games, they've won 9, 11, 10, and 10 and they are the back-to-back Pac-12 champions. Yeah, it has worked really, really well for Kyle Whittingham. But one might question the wisdom of tackling everybody to the ground, including your quarterback, especially 
when your starting quarterback is still questionable. So Cam Rising practices some, but he doesn't go every day, and his status for the season opener is unclear. The backup, Brandon Rose, is a redshirt freshman. If Rising couldn't go, he was going to be the guy. But in a live scrimmage, live for everybody, including the quarterbacks, Brandon Rose got hurt. Hurt so bad that he ended up in the hospital. And he is now out. But they haven't disclosed exactly why he had to go to the hospital. And his status for the season opener against Florida, in the event that Cam Rising is not able to start that game, is not only in question, but it is in serious doubt. And so the question becomes, if Cam Rising can't go for Utah, who's playing quarterback in the season opener against the Gators in Salt Lake City? Next in line appears to be who? Bryson Barnes, who played a little bit a year ago? Is it Nate Johnson, the redshirt freshman? Maybe a walk-on junior quarterback next in line? We'll have to see. So, the question in all of this, is Kyle Whittingham wrong? Is he doing it the wrong way? Is he making a mistake in the way he runs his scrimmages and runs his practices? Or, hey, Dad, do we default to what we just said a second ago? His way has worked quite well at Utah. I mean, it's, it's tough to change when you've been successful, you would think. You know, it's tough for coaches to change when they're not successful. I, mean, I say it all the time, coaches would rather lose their way than win somebody else's. But when you've been winning, you know, if it's not broke, you don't fix it. So it's risky. It's a gamble. No question about that. But I can't I can't find too much fault in Kyle Winningham continuing to run the, his program the way he's run it all this time and been so successful at it. The only pushback that I would give you is that quarterback's the most position, important position in all of sports. Yeah, well-established, successful coaches can make mistakes. When, when you are possibly going to be without your quarterback because of injury, why on earth are you allowing what you have left in that room to get hit to the point where they get sent to the hospital in a scrimmage? That, that, that's reckless to me. Could you imagine... If Will Rogers was not currently available, if he wasn't practicing every day, Cam Rising's not practicing every day. He does sometimes, but he's not practicing every day. He's recovering from ACL surgery this calendar year. And Zach Arnett let Mike Wright get pummeled in a scrimmage? That would be reckless. Ole Miss is a little bit different because Lane Kiffin is stockpiling quarterbacks like nobody's business. I mean, he's like a doomsday prepper with quarterbacks. I mean, he's got non-perishable food stacked up in a closet, and and they all throw the football. (laughs) Bunch of MREs. Seriously, he's got them. I've had them. They're not good. God God bless the military people, man. Uh, Living off of that for as long as they do in the places that they do is special. But anyway, it's reckless to allow your presumed starting quarterback for your season opener to get pummeled in practice, leaving you left with a walk-on to possibly start against Florida? That's a bad decision. It's a really bad decision, and it it is not paying off, obviously. 
If you woke up this morning or Sunday morning or Monday morning, whatever you found out about this, as a Utah fan, you love Kyle Whittingham. That's your guy. He is the architect of the success of your program and has done a remarkable job. But even if he is your guy, don't you wake up and go, Coach, what the heck are you doing? we got to have a quarterback. Maybe you know something that we don't know. Maybe you know Cam Rising well enough to know that that cat's playing regardless. But even so, there are high school programs all over the country that put different colored jerseys on their quarterbacks to protect them in high school practice. So, I don't know. Dwayne and Brandon says it's a bad decision and an arrogant attitude. Again, I'm not going to pile on Kyle Whittingham because what he has done has worked. And the truth of the matter is, Utah plays a different brand of football than anybody else in the Pac-12. They play a more physical style of football than anybody else in the Pac-12. Southern Cal doesn't play that physical, tough style. Oregon may be getting there with Dan Lanning. Washington doesn't play that style. Washington State doesn't. Oregon State doesn't. Arizona, Arizona State, they don't. Utah's a bit of a unicorn. And so if everything about your tough uh, your program is built on toughness and being more physical than the opponent, I guess. I mean, I, I guess that makes some sense. But I still think you got to protect your quarterback. That's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. More coming up with you after the break. Just Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Kevin says, if we're going to say that it's bad coaching to practice the game you play for fear of injury, we can't be mad at players who sit out of bowl games. I don't know that I necessarily think that's an apples-to-apples comparison, Kevin. I mean, I... I, I get that it's all about, you know, protecting yourself. But you're trying to get to your season as healthy as you possibly can versus players making a decision about trying to get to the next step of their career as healthily as they possibly can. And I don't think we've really beat up on guys for sitting out of bowl games. Just kind of... How about say this, this works great for me because I'm not upset at what Whittingham did, and I don't ever get mad at players who sit out ball games. So I'm, I'm sure works for me. I do think in the NIL era that you should play if you're getting paid, you should play. But that's a conversation for for a different day. I mean, you think that 
that Caleb Williams is getting hit in practice at USC? No. No. No, I don't. You think Drake May's getting hit at practice at North Carolina? And no, the backup quarterback at Utah is not Caleb Williams or Drake May, but there's a reason that that is standard practice in football for a long time. Because it is by far, by far, the most important position on the field. If Will Rogers gets hurt this season, Mike Wright is capable. He's he's capable. He can run. He's a good athlete. Really smart young guy. Like he, he's going to be successful in life if he makes it in football. It, it won't be playing quarterback. It'll be somewhere else. Or at regular in life, he's going to be great. But if Will Rogers gets hurt, the expectations for Mississippi State season will go down. They will. They, they will go down. If... Jane Daniels gets hurt at LSU. The expectations for LSU will go down. Joe yeah. Milton gets hurt at Tennessee. Expect because one guy changes so much when it's that one guy. Will the expectations at LSU change? They should. Going from a yeah, guy that won, regardless the of how good Nussmeyer was in the bowl game, yeah, or, or when he played last year, I think it was in the bowl game. Wasn't when it's a, when you're going from a guy that's as, as experienced as him to a guy that hasn't taken meaningful steps yet, your expectation should be a fall off. Now, maybe he matches and does great. Happened at Ohio State, right? A third stringer won a national championship at Ohio State. So, uh, but you shouldn't expect a backup that's never played to, to help you much after an established starter gets hurt. But there's a reason quarterbacks are protected. Because you can't win football games with bad ones. True true statement. Going back to where we started this conversation, I said it's the most important position in sports. Most important, maybe most difficult. And that's why the good ones are worth so much. It's why the good ones get paid so much in the NFL. And now why the good ones get paid so much in college. Who would have who would have thought we could say that as openly as we say it now? But uh, but that's where we are. All right, we hit on this just kind of at the very end of the show yesterday, but didn't really have time to, to dive into it. So all this Pac-12 stuff, there is an August 30th meeting coming up for the leaders of the college football playoff. And I mentioned yesterday, you know, the, the thought was they were going to go in and they were going to talk about ticket dis- distribution and work out whatever kinks were left in hosting games on campus. But the questions that now have to be answered and the things that have to be discussed are entirely different. Will George Klyovkov be there? How much of an impact will his vote have if it looks like the Pac-12 is not going to exist? They don't exist. How does the revenue get divided? If the Pac-12 rebuilds, will it still be a power conference? Will it be viewed as such? And regardless of what the Pac-12 does going forward, are we going to change the format in terms of who qualifies for the playoff? So we've got some quotes from different people on this. Bill Hancock, in the most Bill Hancock quote ever, says, hey, it's it's too soon to say. <laughs> Bill is more than happy to comment on this after the press release from the college football playoff comes out and says exactly what they are going to do. But not everybody is as reserved 
or as guarded as Bill Hancock is. Greg Sankey is on record on the Paul Feinbaum show as saying the format should be reconsidered. In an interview with Yahoo Sports, he said all three facets of the college football playoff should be re-examined. The weighted decision-making process, which we talked about yesterday, where the Power Five leagues have more votes or bigger votes than the Group of Five leagues. The revenue distribution model, mentioned that yesterday, where each league gets X amount of dollars. Let's just say it's $10 million per league. It's far more than that, but let's just say $10 million per Power Five league and $2 million per Group of Five league. Please don't correct me on the numbers because I just made them up. It doesn't matter if you have 10 teams in your league or 12 teams in your league or 15 teams in your league or 300 teams in your league. As it stands right now, the league gets an amount of money that is then divided up among its members. But Greg Sankey's opinion, and I would think all of his members would be on board with this, is yeah, with, with the changing numbers of conferences, it's not like everybody's got the same number of teams. And so what we need to do is assign a unit value, and you get a unit for each team in your league. And obviously that is a larger unit size for the big leagues. With the Big Ten now with 18 teams, the SEC moving to 16 teams, the Big 12, is it 20? Is that right? Or is it 18? I think they're at 18. 18. Yeah, the addition of the, the last four got them to 18 like, as well. are like, who's lagging in is it anyway at this point? It's all made up. The points don't matter. And then he also says the format should be reexamined and discussed. So that's Greg Sankey, and you certainly understand his position but you also understand the position of Mike Oresco. Now, Mike Oresco is the commissioner of the American Conference. And Mike Oresco is the guy who has been banging the drum for years for not the Power Five, but the Power Six. He has tried to get people to look at the American Athletic Conference as a power, a, a sixth power conference. They're not. They weren't. But it was a really good league. I don't hear him banging the drum for power six right now, but he did say this. We'd fight the adjustment. We'd be against it. But we do understand it would have to come up. So he recognizes in this landscape that the conversation is a real one, and it's one that has to be had. But he's telling you right now his vote is no. We're not going to – we don't want to go to 12 automatic qualifiers. Because it takes the American from – now, almost being a shoe-in in, in terms of having a team in the playoff to that's a gamble that they really don't want to take. We pointed it out last year. I mean, Tulane was in the Cotton Bowl last year because of where they finished, but they were number 16 in the final CFP rankings. In a 12-team playoff that selects all at larges, they wouldn't have been in. What do we think? What what what's the right thing to do here? Well, we they they have to reconsider the conferences 
that that has to be done because the pack the Pac-12 is not a power conference anymore. And then how they're going to redo the teams, I don't I don't know the best answer for that. You know, I mean, I'm in favor of at-large bids as it is. You know, I feel like it should just be the 12 best teams. The fact that you win a conference shouldn't guarantee you anything. Rather have a one-loss Big Ten team than a three-loss Big 12 team because they won their conference and the other team didn't. So I'm not quite sure on that one, but I do think the Pac-12 is is under the gun here. If I was going to push back on you, I would say these conferences are about to be harder than they've ever been. Shouldn't there be a reward mm-hmm. for winning that league? There should be a reward for winning games, not necessarily that league. So what if we use what if we use two thousand three Ole Miss as an example mm-hmm. that lost to Memphis and Texas Tech, mm-hmm. and then they lost to LSU and they finished with three losses. What what if they had yeah. what if they had won that LSU game and got into the conference championship game and they'd beaten Georgia that year, but they still had two losses. Now, in that scenario, I know they would still be a top-12 team. Right. But they would deserve to be in the playoff based on that body of work, even though they lost to Memphis and Texas Tech. Yeah, an 11-2. and Why not? Anyway. Interesting times. Sports Talk Mississippi. We will be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Um, Mama Ninawamba says, um, hey guys, please define a power conference. Like, what is a power conference? I mean, in its most simpler form, most simplest forms, it's the richest leagues. They're, they, they've kind of... That's, that's, that's it. I mean, Power 5 has stuck, but sometimes you'll hear people refer to them as the autonomous five conferences. Prior to the breakup of the Pac-12, you're talking about the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the Pac-12. And there are a lot of people that say, well, it's kind of gotten to the point where it's now just the power two. It's the SEC and the Big Ten because of how they have distanced themselves. But more than anything, the defining factor is, is money. The richest conferences make up the power five, and the smaller conferences have been referred to as the group of five. Sometimes you have group of five conference leaders that push back on those designations. And it's just because they don't want to be labeled. I mean, they don't want to be labeled as le- less than the big boys. And I understand that. But it's just kind of the it's a term that refers to those five conferences that are now four conferences and really two. So, that's it. But, 
There are some people, and I think it's headed this direction as well, where eventually there's going to be this power group of college football and they make it look just like the NFL. And in some ways that can be good for college football, and in others it's really bad because if you try to replicate everything about it, you're going to lose to it. Tulane last year is a great example to me. Tulane wasn't a national championship football team last year. They weren't. Cincinnati wasn't a national championship football team when when they made the playoff. But they showed that they are capable of being competitive. And having the seasons that they have, I think, deserves the opportunity to compete in the playoff. Because look at every other sport, right? Is March Madness the best 68 teams in college basketball? Nope. Is the baseball tournament the best 64 teams in college baseball? Is the NFL playoffs the best teams in the NFL? No. You get in if you win your division. Guess what? The NFC South is pathetic this year. The winner of that division, it is. The winner of that division is going to host a playoff game. Hey! And so, Tulane getting an opportunity to beat USC in the Cotton Bowl in a 12-team playoff as opposed to just the Cotton Bowl is attractive to me as a fan of college football. I love stories like that. I saw pictures yesterday of the time that UConn, I know it's different, but the time that UConn went into South Bend and beat Notre Dame. The emotions on the faces of those UConn players tells you it was more than just a win. The way Tulane players acted when they beat USC, that was more than just a Cotton Bowl win. That was life-defining, career-defining for those guys. Caleb Williams is going to be the first pick in in this year's draft. He's going to play in the NFL for a long time. The overwhelming majority of Tulane's players won't even get a look in the NFL, but they lined up and beat them that day. And those kind of things I want to continue in college football. If we remove the opportunity for Tulane, or if it's Troy this year, or the Boise State teams of the past to line up across from a power and beat them in a meaningful game, we lose a lot of what's really cool about college football. And so I want the AAC champion, if it's an 11-1 team, to make the playoff. To, to be guaranteed to make the playoff so they can line up across the field from Wisconsin and beat them. And then they'll lose to Georgia a week later, but who cares? The story yeah, the story be a be great preserved. week, though. We'll enjoy it. We'll enjoy it. Like everybody enjoys the first week of March Madness when that 12 seed or 13 seed wins, and then they run into the two seed or the one seed, and it's over. And but you you enjoyed that moment. It's about getting you know you get the enjoyable moments, and then the teams that are supposed to win will end up winning. You know that's just how life goes. But it'll be enjoyable. It'll be it'll be fun when that that group of five team you know knocks off an SEC team and then has to play the number one seed overall or something like that. It'll be great. Yeah. Um. Shall we? Shall we go back? Ooh, yes, we should. Oh, I don't have a white towel. Yes, I don't have a white towel. But I, I can Peter Griffin. <laughs> A longer intro than I remember. There it is. 
That Thursday night. Shout out to Bob Carthcad. I actually have a funny story about this song, but we'll do that for another day. Uh, South Carolina team number 18 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. Starting year number three for Shane Beamer. Year one, bowl game, seven and six. Year two, one win better. Bowl game, eight and five. The bowl game was a loss last year to Notre Dame. But what a cool scene that was. You, um, <laughs> just let it run. Keep talking. South Carolina fans went to the Gator Bowl last year. Uh, Gamecocks don't exactly ease into this season. They got North Carolina in week one in Charlotte. Then it's Furman. I'm putting that down for three minutes of cardio. Hold on. That's going on my my exercise tracker. That was three minutes of cardio. They go to Georgia on September 16th, then host Mississippi State. Circle it, highlight it, underline it, bold print, the whole deal. We've talked about that being a big game for Mississippi State. It is also a big game, a big game for South Carolina. So for Mississippi State, the South Carolina game falls between LSU and Alabama. For South Carolina, the Mississippi State game falls between Georgia and Tennessee, both on the road. With North Carolina two weeks ahead of that. Yeah. There, there's a very real, I don't think it's going to happen, but there's a very po- real possibility that, so North South Carolina closes September one and four. That is possible. Very possible. So, Spencer, uh, no, 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 Spencer Rattler. Nope. Wrong. There you go. Spencer Rattler. When it was all said and done, he threw for a little over 3,000 yards with 18 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. But we got to be real, right? What, what do people remember about Spencer Sanders from last year? Tennessee they and remember, Clemson. Say what? Tennessee and Clemson. Tennessee and Clemson. closed out the season. Yeah. A 63-38 win over number 5 Tennessee at home, followed up by a 31-30 win on the road against in-state rival Clemson, snapping a streak of how many years in a row? Was it five? A bunch. It was a bunch. No, it was more than that one. There's a lot of reporting out of South Carolina camp, by the way. Not, Not so much about his play, although I saw... One of the college national college football people say that you know he's playing great too, but maturation uh, apparently is a, a big thing that they've noticed with him compared to when he arrived on campus versus now. You know, some guys take a little bit longer to grow up, hand raised myself, but apparently Spencer Rattler has has done some maturing since he's gotten to Columbia. It was seven, so, seven straight losses, not counting. Not counting the COVID year where they didn't play, obviously. So, South Carolina in that win against Tennessee, their 63 points were the most ever allowed by Tennessee in an SEC game. South Carolina scored touchdowns on nine of its ten possessions in the game. Spencer Rattler threw for 438 yards and six touchdowns. And then he followed it up with 360 yards passing against Clemson. 
and, and he was just really, really good. So I, I give you those numbers, one, as a reminder, but two, can Spencer Rattler carry the way he played in the final two games of the regular season? If you take into account what Borky said about him growing up and carry it forward into 2023, because that Spencer Rattler makes South Carolina really hard to beat. Juju McDowell is back. They lost their top two rushers from a year ago, but McDowell returns. Their top receiver, Antoine Wells, from a season ago, who had six touchdown catches, is back. He's a good player, too. He is a good really player. Good. They've got six starters returning on the offensive side. Only four four back on the defensive side. They do have their leading tackler back in Nick uh, how do you say his name? Amana Wari? I think that's right. Anyway. South Carolina is one of the teams that I'm more curious about than almost anybody. I think Shane Beamer is a good coach. I think he gets the most out of his players. Had some camp injuries, but everybody has some camp injuries. They're going to be a fascinating team this year. South Carolina, team number 18 on the countdown. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Rumors run round in that Texas town. About to check outside the game. You're not know talking about. Just let me know if you wanna go to that home out on the range. They got a lot of nice girls. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi one last time. See if we can get Brian Hayden to engage a little more this time. What's coming up? on Thunder and Lightning on the radio. Wednesday, 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 we have got a huge show lined up for you tonight. We're going to talk about what we've learned in camp thus far. We're going to talk about week one. What do we want to see from the Bulldogs? And we're going to go over the Mississippi State media poll and tell you why I'm right and everybody else is wrong tonight on Thunder and Lightning. Nailed it. You happy? You like that? That may be the best you've ever I had to really... I really had to conjure up some energy for that, man. That brisket is still laying heavy. Could you do that more often? If if you upset me enough, sure. That that was great. That was energy. That was passion. That was too much. That was overkill. That was a little too much. I don't know. I mean, you could, like, make a promo out of that. You you absolutely could make a promo out of that. The the, cur- the current uh, Thunder and Lightning promo that's airing on Super Talk during the ad breaks is uh, Zach Arnett making fun of me, so it's great. Yeah. Well, low-hanging fruit and whatnot. I, I mean, if you ate fruit, anyway. I got. I, I ate fruit? I thought you didn't like fruit. I like some fruits. What fruit do you like? Strawberries. You Cherries. Name another. Cherries? Nectarines or like the other ones? No, just on the bag. Cherries. Okay. Like fresh cherries. I like nectarines. It's just like 
fancy oranges, right? No, they're like they're like uh, less fancy peaches, I think. Oh, yeah, I was thinking like the little cuties. The and then yeah, those are tangerines. Tangerines, not nectarines. Yeah. Also, a Led Zeppelin song. Pineapple. No, God no. Watermelon. Yeah. No, not a fan. Cantaloupe. No, no. Bananas. Not, not a big melon guy. Oh God, no. Just plain old oranges. No, not really. Apples. No, apples are gross. So I'm just gonna kind of go back to yeah. I hear that you named a few, but you really don't like fruit. I like some fruits. You don't like apples, oranges, bananas, pineapple, watermelon, cantaloupe. I mean, after that, it's just like, what? what's the point? Blueberries? I love blueberries. Blackberries? Raspberries? I like any, I love berries. I'll eat You're any kind of berry. You're a berry kind of sure. guy. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nice, bear, a nice blackberry cobbler. Now we're talking. Only thing that promo needed from Hey Dad was an L.A. night. Yeah, at the end. I, yeah! Beautiful. Let me talk to you. Let me talk to you, just for a second, if you don't mind. If you're in the yeah. market for a new vehicle, then Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota is the place to go. If it's a Ford F-150 or an Explorer or an Expedition, they've got you covered. If it is, I don't know, a Toyota Camry, which is like the best-selling car in the history of the world for like a 100 years now. You, you can't kill them. They never die. They run forever. They look good. Good gas mileage. All of the things, they got you covered at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. Stop by and see them, Highway 6 West, and tell them we sent you. Sports Talk Mississippi. And don't forget, they got you covered after the sale as well. It's not just sell you a car, get you out the door. Please don't ever come back until you're ready to buy another one. That's not the case at all. <laughs> a, a huge service department. That is newly improved and expanded. They've got the diesel specialty service department. You know how hard it is to find somebody to work on a diesel engine. They can do it at Belk Ford, oh, the new man. service department. And uh, they'll take care of you, whether it's oil changes and tire rotations or something that's a little more severe than that. Learn more online at BelkFord.net or OxfordToyota.com. But really stop by and see them and uh, tell them we sent you from Sports Talk Mississippi. Why did you giggle? Get out. Get out and don't come back till you're ready to buy another car. I don't want to see you again until you've got cash in hand. That is not what you will get at Belmont. That's Ford not what you're getting. You're getting they the opposite of that. Uh, yeah. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. We'll be back tomorrow. And we, what, you're taking Friday off, right? We all Friday or tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we'll all be back with you tomorrow afternoon as we get one set. Tomorrow will be two weeks. Two weeks out. Two weeks out from that first Thursday night and the start of the football extravaganza that is week number one. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Remember, if you want to get a petition going, you can send it. <laughs> Never mind. I'll let that go. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.